After last week uh, and starting to look at this uh, topic of rest and Sabbath, I considered replacing all the chairs here with recliners. Uh, if we can get a couple of people to pledge to that, maybe we can... Um, because you can't just say, yeah, I want that. You, you got to back that up by, uh, yeah, recliners aren't cheap. So, uh, uh, no, I think that probably misses the point here. We're not necessarily talking about that type of rest necessarily. Uh, but we are uh, broaching this topic that maybe we kind of don't talk about a lot anymore because we're busy and we're doing a lot of stuff and we got to get a lot of things done. And uh, maybe we kind of skip over uh, commandment number four in the, in the top ten, the big ten, the ten commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. I think there are a couple of ways that we get this wrong. Uh, one is to work and work and work and play and play and play without taking uh, uh, time to, uh, uh, to, for, for God, setting aside time for God. Uh, we fill our time with anything but God. Uh, that's one way that I think we miss this. The second way is, is that we treat our spiritual life like work. Right. Neither one of those things is what God has in mind for us. But but we just feel like we've got to be busy. We've got to be busy doing something. We're either busy doing our work or busy doing our chores or busy doing doing our play or or busy uh, doing our spiritual life. Uh, There's a there's a quote I ran across from uh, someone named Barbara Brown Taylor. She says this in China. The polite answer to how are you is I'm very busy. Thank you. If you are very busy, then you must be fine. If you have more to do than you can ever do, and the list never gets done, or only longer, then you must be very fine, because not only in China, but also right here at home, successful people are busy people. Effective people are busy people. Religious people are busy people. For millions and millions of people, busyness is the way of life. We, we want to be busy to have something significant to do, right? When we're busy, then we feel important. We feel needed. Um, maybe, maybe though busy isn't necessarily the goal, right? I mean, don't get me, I'm not promoting laziness, um, or uh, you should just shirk your responsibilities, or or uh, you shouldn't carry your fair share. I'm not talking about any of that, but God, see, God expects us to work, uh, to use the, the, the strength that we have and the resources and the time uh, on this earth that he has given us in order to accomplish good things for him. There is work for us to do. Ephesians 2.10 says that God has prepared good works for each of us specifically to do. Uh, but there's a rhythm in this, right? There's a, there's a flow, work, rest. Six days of work, one day of rest. God doesn't want us to overdo it. Uh, in fact, I think Jesus knew that we'd be tempted to do just that. Some of my favorite words of Jesus come at the end of Matthew 11, and also uh, they, they referred to it there at the end of that video as well. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Maybe you came to church today just to hear this. Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Are you weary? Are you carrying heavy burdens? God is not in the business of adding to your burdens. His way is light and easy. He gives Rest. Uh, the, that passage in, in the message reads this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, 
get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Chuck Swindoll, in commenting on those verses, says this, In place of our exhaustion and spiritual fatigue, he will give us rest. All he asks is that we come to him, that we spend a while thinking about him, meditating on him, talking to him, listening in silence, occupying ourselves with him, totally and thoroughly lost in the hiding place of his presence. That's what Sabbath is all about, coming to God, getting away with him, recovering your life. And not just every once in a while, it's a, it's a rhythm, it's, it's establishing this rhythm, what we've called here, uh, the book that, uh, that this is uh, kind of coming from, 24-6, not 24-7, right? Take a day, once a week, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. When God rested on the seventh day, he was showing restraint. He could have kept on creating, right? God could have just created and created and created and kept on going and kept on going. But of course he could have done that. He has no limits except the limits that he places on himself. And so he stopped, not because he had to, but because it was good to stop. It was holy to stop. It was, it was enough. Dr. Matthew, Matthew Sleeth, author of 24-6, says it this way, work is good, but the purpose of work is not more work. The purpose of work is to live and glorify God. One of the ways we do that best is by remembering the Sabbath and keeping it holy. So today I want to just give a little bit of, you know, what does that look like? And I hesitate to lay out anything too specific because I don't want us to be legalistic about all this. Like, like, uh, uh maybe the, the churches tend to get at times where well, you got to do this and you can't do that and you can't do that. Or the Pharisees and, uh, that Jesus railed against in, in, uh, in the New Testament, they were all about the rules of it all. Uh, but, cause I think we, we see Sabbath and we think, oh, that's all about, that's all about rules and limits. Can't do this, can't do that, can't do this, can't do that. The Sabbath is, is not about rules and limits. The, the Sabbath is about freedom and rest. We, the Sabbath was made for us because Jesus, God, God knew that we would need it. So what does this look like? Well, like I said last week, uh, whatever is work for you on the Sabbath, don't do it. I take a day off each week. Uh, some of you think I take all the days off because here I am, I work for a couple hours a week, and then it's just, woo, right? Come be a pastor, it's easy street. Maybe don't do that. Well, we need to talk if that's the case, if that's what you're thinking. No, I, I take a day off each week right now, and for a while now it's been Wednesdays. Maybe you've called me on a Wednesday and I didn't answer. Maybe that's why, uh, because uh, I'm not in the office, and I don't write sermons, and I don't study, and I don't visit in the nursing home or the hospital or things like that, unless there are emergencies and all those types of things, of course. But I, I don't answer my phone unless it's family calling. I, I try not to check email unless it's something uh, personal that I need to be looking at. I don't shave on, on Wednesdays, typically. The, these are the things, uh, because I'm stepping out, and it's, you know, since most of my work, now you're going, well, what does, what does Sabbath look like? It must be that you've got to sit in a chair and stare at the wall, and, and it's, you know... It, it, 
whatever is work for you on Sabbath, don't do it. Well, for me, work is a lot of time behind a desk, thinking, typing, uh, taking care of different things that way. And so on, uh, on the day that, days that I set aside, um, my rest sometimes, a lot of times, looks more like physical labor because that's not what I'm doing most of the time in my work. So I might paint a room or, or do a woodworking project or, or mow the lawn or, or go for a run. Uh, now, I might also, you might catch me watching a movie or sleeping in the recliner with a book on my chest, right? All those things are involved in, uh, in, in my practice of that, of that day once a week. Here's, I guess maybe this is a good principle. As you think about what your Sabbath should look like, keep in mind that end goal, that the end goal is a holy day of rest. All those words are important. It's rest, it's a day, it's also holy. Uh, evaluate your activities or your lack of activity with, with that goal in mind. What can I do that will help me rest and rejuvenate, that will help me connect with God? For, for many folks, that includes this time right here, right? It's a time to connect with, with people and connect with God. Uh, and then the rest of this day, Sunday, uh, can be your, your uh, day of rest. Today, maybe your rest will include some, uh, some nachos and a football game tonight, right? Um, some might think, my kids always thought, that practicing Sabbath was a little boring, right? Uh, that's, that's addressed in, in this book. I, I like what Dr. Sleeth says. He says, I believe the negative emotions and feelings we experience when we come to a stop are a barometer of our comfort with God. Are we truly bored by being alone with God in the midst of his glorious creation? Perhaps it's not God, the times, or the world that are boring. Maybe, maybe it's us. My advice is to wait in the stillness and boredom for the first sounds of the Lord's voice. So rather than giving you a big list of activities to do or to not do on your Sabbath, today I want us to spend a little bit of time thinking about what we're really resting from. And I think those things may uh, inform how uh, the Lord will guide you in practicing Sabbath and rest in your life. What are, what are we stopping? What, what we need to rest for a reason. We get weary, we get worn out, we get burned out. We need to rest. So, so what do we need to rest from? Well, the first thing uh, is rest from heavy labors or heavy burdens, right? You might have a job that you'd consider heavy labor. Maybe you work in construction or some other job where, where muscles are prerequisite and it's heavy labor all the time. I, now, again, I'm just a, a wimpy preacher and I don't have that, uh, uh, that, that prerequisite. I'm not used to that heavy labor. I, I helped somebody move not long ago and, uh, man, my body told me it was time to rest for a, a day or two afterwards because I just wasn't, wasn't ready for that and used to that. My body was quite clear, but, but usually it's, it's not. Um, and so if your job is less physical, Physically demanding, maybe, maybe you don't always realize how much you need to rest. Jesus calls us to rest from heavy burdens. And it's not just about the physical demands on our bodies, although that's important. We need to rest our, our physical bodies. It's also about resting from life's trials and the increasing burdens that build up over time if we're not taking the time to, to rest and rejuvenate. Our bodies, our minds, our souls need to rest from the burdens of life. 
I've been thinking about this, this time in the life of our church. We've been walking through a season of grief and loss. Several of our families have been impacted by, by, uh, by death recently, right? And that doesn't just affect those families, but it affects all of us. We're the family of God here. And it's heavy, right? And it's hard to carry. Sabbath is one way that can help us walk through some of those heavy burdens, right? As we step away and give ourselves a chance to breathe and to rest and to grieve. We need to rest from the heavy burdens, the heavy labors of life. We also need to rest from the pace of the world. We need to rest from the pace of the world. Matt, go ahead and, and play that video. Uh, videos like the one showing up here uh, emphasize the fast pace of the world. Obviously, that's been sped up a little bit, right? But, but, uh, but the world doesn't go that fast, but it seems like it sometimes. Maybe it seems like it goes even faster than that. But pulling back and, and looking at the world rushing around can make us feel small and anonymous and insignificant. The, that fast pace of life can actually have ripple effects, right? We're, we're trying to do more in less time. Uh, and, and when we do that, a lot of things suffer. Our relationships suffer because we spend less time, uh, deep time with people. We're just uh, hitting here and there and, and we don't really have those deep relations. Our work suffers because we're just skimming the surface instead of producing high quality stuff. Maybe we're just trying to get uh, as many things done as we can. A lot of things. Our health suffers. Studies have shown that cities with faster paced lifestyles have higher incidences of coronary artery disease, among other health problems. One reason, one thing that, that comes to, to mind is that uh, we're eating on the go and, and we're eating what we can, when we can. And not only are we eating fast food, although, and uh, you didn't come to hear this today, and maybe it's news to you, I don't know, but fast food isn't always the healthiest choice. I don't, I don't know if you knew that or not. But, um, uh, but it's not just, I'm not just saying don't eat fast food. I'm saying it's not just that we're eating fast food, we're eating faster. We're, we rush through our meals so we can get on to the next thing, right? Uh, they say, and this even seems long, but the, I, I looked it up this week, Americans average spending less than 80 minutes a day eating meals, 80 minutes a day. Um, and that, I, again, I think that's probably pretty generous. Uh, in comparison, though, the French uh, spend over two hours eating each day. And whether it's a, a reason or not, they have a much lower obesity problem than we do, uh, could have something to do with it. But meals aren't just about taking in calories, right? We, we need to, we need to slow down when we, when we take the time to, to cook and to gather and to break bread together. It doesn't just nourish our bodies. It nourishes our souls. We have a quote up on the wall on our, uh, uh, on our dining room, uh, in our dining room at our house. Go ahead and put that up there. You can't read it, but I'm going to read it to you. Um, it's a quote from, uh, from Henry now, and I forget which book it's in. It's called The Meal That Makes Us Family and Friends. He says this, We all need to eat and drink to stay alive, but having a meal is more than eating and drinking. It's celebrating the gifts of life we share. A meal together is one of the most intimate and sacred human events. Around the table, we, come, we become vulnerable, filling one another's plates and cups and encouraging one another to eat and drink. Much more happens at a meal than satisfying hunger and quenching thirst. Around the table, we become family, friends, community, yes, a body. 
That is why it is so important to, quote, set the table. Flowers, candles, colorful napkins all help us to say to one another, this is a very special time for us. Let's enjoy it. I think it's just one example. Meals are great ways to share Sabbath with others. It's, it's just one way that we can rest from the pace of the world, not just on a specific day of the week, but, but all the time. We need to consciously be aware that, that we're not just keeping up with the pace of the world. We have to be aware of how fast things are moving and intentionally stop regularly to keep it all in perspective. Rest from the pace of the world. And along that, uh, with that, rest from the speed of change. I'm not promoting that we get rid of all of our technological devices and, and, and live like it's 1850. Uh, you'd miss some of that, some of the things that we, that we enjoy. But it is crazy to think about the changes in society and culture over the past few decades, primarily technologically. I mean, I got my first cell phone. Uh, man, I was, I was late to the game. Um, Part of that is that, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, we, we had the home, home phone and, and all that, and it was fine. But, but at some point, you know, I got my first, 21 years ago, I believe it was, uh, that I got my, and it, it couldn't text, and it couldn't take pictures. Um, it, it made phone calls, and, but it was cool because I could carry it in my pocket, right? 21 years ago. Uh, my next phone, uh, I graduated up to the, to the, uh, the texting plan, but I didn't have a keyboard. So, like texting a simple, simple phrase like, hey, how you doing? Started out with 4433999. That's the word, hey, just so you know, if you look on your little dealio, you know, you, you're getting the letters that are written on it. And, uh, I know some of you that, uh, that were born after that have a hard concept of figuring these things out. But um, now virtually all of us have a device. I, I was going to say in our, in our pockets, mine's sitting down there. But uh, uh, we, we have these devices in our pockets all the time. We're hardly ever within, uh, out of uh, arm's reach of them with all the power of the Internet at our fingertips. It's, it's even voice activated. Uh, you say, hey, Siri, or hey, Google, or whatever, and now half your phone, all your phones just went off, right? Because I said that. Um, I can take better quality pictures now on that phone than I ever could with any of the digital cameras that I had before my phone. It can, uh, th- those things can text and send emails and get turn-by-turn directions and order takeout. Oh, and, and, and they also make phone calls, which is kind of a cool thing for them to do too. It's, it's just astronomical to think in the span of 20 years or so uh, that, that, uh, that the, the, the things have changed so much. And not just with that technology, although that has changed a lot of how we do things, uh, but uh, how we live life today is so much different than even 10 years ago that it's, it's really kind of mind-blowing when we think about it. Most people who study these things agree that technological change is exponential. Well, what does that mean? Well, the rate is getting fast. It's not just that things change year to year, uh, but, but, and, and things are, are uh, changing over time, but it's, it's exponentially faster how fast they change. Some estimate that in this, uh, in this century, the 21st century, we will not experience 100 years of progress over these 100 years. But because of the rate of change, it, is, it will be more like we will be experiencing 20,000 years 
of, of progress over the next, uh, this, well, uh, throughout this, this century. Because the rate of change is so much faster and getting faster every day. Again, I'm not advocating for a lifestyle devoid of technology and other advancements. I like indoor plumbing and air conditioning. I, I, these are good things, right? But I, but I do think that, that we would do well to, um, to recognize that things are changing and to unplug from that regularly. We need to slow down. We need to maybe at times turn off your phone. Don't answer that email or those texts. Maybe you need to silence your notifications. Maybe you need to leave the phone at home and go take a walk. Enjoy the sunshine. Breathe a little bit. Instead of always responding to and keeping up with the speed of life, Jesus says we need to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The rate of change. We need to rest from that from that rate of change. We need to, uh, we need to rest from our job. Um, my, my, uh, my grandparents, my parents' generations tended to have long-term careers in one profession, usually with the same company. I recognized at uh, Joe Dentler's uh, funeral this week that, uh, that he worked at the same job for 36 years and three months. There he was, same place, same job, same, uh, uh, same deal. My, my father's much the same way. He got his uh, degree and took a job at a place in Columbus called Chemical Abstract Service. And he retired 37 years later. And the only move that he made in that time was down the hall to a different office. Some about 20 years in, I think. Uh, I mean, I guess I get it honest because I've been here uh, a long time too, right? Um, but that's the exception these days, right? American employees today, uh, the, the statistics show that they change jobs at least the average is 12 times throughout their working life. And they change careers. So not just a job within the same career, but they change careers an average of five times in their working life. So kind of like, you know, once every less than 10 years, you're changing careers. I, I think that's another example of the rate of, uh, of change, the speed of change that's going on. Uh, but whether you work in the same field uh, at the same company all your life or you're changing periodically, uh, we tend to find our identity all wrapped up in that, right? We, uh, I don't know, you, you go meet somebody new pretty early on in the conversation. You, you know, uh, my name, where, where I live, I've been here forever, whatever. At some point, one of you is going to ask, well, what do you do? And the answer usually starts with, oh, I'm a, and you fill in the blank. You don't usually say, oh, I do this. You usually say, I am this. It's identity language. We get our identity from what we do. We, we see ourselves through the lens of our activity, of our work. Our jobs many times define who we are. Resting from our job on the Sabbath helps us to remember that our identity is not dependent primarily on the work we do. Whether we've changed jobs five times or, or, or we've had the same, same job all of our lives. One of the key principles that I reminded you last week that I think I've got to underline and circle in my own mind in life. Uh, I am first and foremost a child of God before anything else. Even before your career, even before uh, the, the, the job that you do. If you never take a break from your job, if you're always on, it's a lot easier to forget that. But when you practice Sabbath, you rest from your job. 
and you keep your priorities in order. I think resting from our job also helps us uh, remember that we're dependent on God and not our work to provide for our needs. We tend to think that if we don't work long hours and hard hours, we, we, we won't have everything that we need. And that would be true if having everything you need was up to you, <laughs> but it's not. Uh, Sabbath reminds us to rely on God for what we need. A famous example, obviously, is, is Chick-fil-A. I'm making you hungry for something you cannot have today, right? They're known for two, two things, great chicken and being closed on Sundays. On their website, it says this. Our founder, Truett Cathy, made the decision to close on Sundays in 1946 when he opened his first restaurant in Hapeville, Georgia. Having worked seven days a week in restaurants open 24 hours, Truett saw the importance of closing on Sundays so that he and his employees could set aside one day to rest, enjoy time with their families and loved ones, or worship if they chose, a practice that we uphold today. It hasn't hurt the bottom line. They are ranked in the top eight of sales in the fast food chains in the U.S., over $9 billion, uh, in sales uh, annually. Just one example. Jobs doesn't necessarily mean that we're not going to have what we need, right? When we rest from our jobs, we're recognizing that ultimately we rely on, we rely on God to provide what we need. Uh, one more thing I think that we, uh, that we need to rest from on this practice of Sabbath is rest from information. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's so much, so much information uh, that, that flow uh, into our minds and our lives, and we need to take a break. I, I mean, one reason, just to process it all. Uh, TV and radio used to go off the air at midnight. When I mention that to anyone under 30, they just kind of stare blankly at me. There's no point of reference there because uh, we're just used to all the, all the stuff all the time, right? There used to be one morning newspaper and a choice of three evening news shows. And, uh, and that was what we, how we got our news. Now we can't possibly take in all the news and information that's available all the time, 24-7. And what we do take in, I don't think we have, to have the time or the capacity to process it effectively. The, the news that, uh, that, that people consumed up until the last, I don't know, uh, 34, I'm sounding like an ancient guy here. I'm really not, I promise. But um, up until the last, let's say, 50 years or so, was, was pretty much limited to news that affected our lives, right? It was stuff that was kind of close. Who was, who was going to the church bazaar and what road was closed and uh, somebody, uh, the, the mayor who uh, said this or this law that passed here in my community and uh, some crisis that happened down at the plant or whatever. We had, we had things that, that, that affected us and they, we could process what was going on and, and we could respond in responsible ways. And now we hear about so many things, many times horrific things and we have no way to process them or even to respond responsibly to those things and and they just kind of bounce around we don't really and it I think over time that changes us I don't I don't have all the answers to that Dr. Sleeth mentions this and says the river of information we see is a mile wide and a quarter of an inch deep we need rest from the deluge of information in order to discern what information is important and how we should respond. I mean, 
maybe it's scandalous to say, but you don't have to know everything. <laughs> you, you don't need to carry the weight of the world's news. Sure, it's, it's good to, to, to find out what's going on in the world and to be informed. Okay, that's great, but, but you weren't created to carry that weight all the time. We need rest from all that information. Well, that's, that's a lot of rest, I guess. Uh, we talk about all those different things that we need to rest from regularly, once a week. I, what I think you'll find is that practicing Sabbath on one day a week is going to change how you live the other six days of the week. Probably a lot more than you even think. After thinking about all of that and all of this stuff today, I want us to hear the words of Jesus from Matthew 11 one more time. Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. 